Well, I, I hope my boss doesn't hear this, but you know, I, I don't want to go to work. I want to stay at the ranch. When I walk out the door to go to work, I step out on the porch and I can look out on the property. I can see the animals and I just, I hate leaving. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher. This is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Kevin Cole, who is a cattle rancher. So the very first thing we'll tackle in the episode is what exactly does a cattle rancher do? And more importantly, why do they do it? Like, I think we all kind of know that cattle ranchers move around cows, but like, why are we moving these cows around? And what else do you do all day and everything? So um, I won't spoil all the different things that we talk about, but it's a pretty awesome interesting episode so without further ado here is cattle rancher kevin thanks so much for coming on the show today no problem blake i'm happy to be here yeah yeah i'm happy to have you here so uh i need to start out with like a super basic question for this one it's interesting when i have people on the show they usually fall into one or two camps like either it's something that i feel like i have a little bit of an idea what they do um like let's say Somebody comes on the show, and like an acupuncturist I recently had on. It's like, okay, I, I, I know a little bit about acupuncture. I understand that you put needles into people. I get that much, you know? And then there's other people that come on and it's like, I have no idea. I don't even begin to know what you do, like a NASA engineer or something. It's just like, I can't even fathom what sorts of things you do. For you, I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like cattle rancher. I got it. Like he ranches cattle. And then I was like, first of all, I don't even really know what that means to ranch cattle. But so in, in my head, I'm like, okay, he probably like herds cows around and makes them go places and stuff. And then the immediate question came up in my head of, but why? Like, why do we need to move cows around? Why can't we just let them be? And is that even what a cattle rancher does? I'm sure there's a little bit more complexity to it than you just moving cows to the left and to the right and forward and backwards. So I guess... I, it's like one of those weird jobs where people might think they have an idea of what it's about. And then when you think about it more, it's like, I actually have no idea what a cattle rancher does. So why don't you break down for us what the heck you do? And also more importantly, like why you do it. Okay. So kind of going off what you said, moving cattle around. Yes, I move cattle around, but not very far. You might be used to seeing shows where they might move them from the winter pasture to the summer pasture from their pasture out to the railroad so they can ship their beef into, you know, Texas or something like that. Um, the only movement that I really do, I, I let them stay and, and roam the range, just the, the few acres that I have uh, as much as they want. And I do move them into uh, what I call a catch pen so that I can give them vaccinations. I can worm them. I can, uh, give them a little fly spray so they feel a little better out there. Um, and I do that on a regular basis. I don't vaccinate on a regular basis, but I call them in about every week um, just so they're in the habit of coming when I call them. Oh, just like train. It's funny. I just got a new puppy. I was just telling you about her, but it's just like training a dog then. You just need to be really consistent with it just in case 
you need them to come to you one time or just in case you really need them to sit one time, you just need to do it frequently for that one time that you really need it. Correct. And, and I tell you, when I honk the horn on the truck, they come running because they, they think they're going to get fed. Wow. That's so interesting. So you don't have to be behind them necessarily uh, corralling them into an area. They will come to you. No, we've trained them pretty much just to come to the sound of the horn or yelling kind of in threes. Um, they'll still come. Now, okay, what that, that so far it sounds like something that would take maybe like two hours a week to do or something, but this is a, a full time job, correct? For me, no, I'm a part time rancher, so I have to. I, I started about 2012 with two calves, and I now have 12 head of cattle, and uh, I have two that I've harvested and are in the locker. Um, so but to do that, I didn't like take out a loan and start up a ranch, and that's all I do. What I've been doing all along is working another job, and then all the time that I'm not working at that job, I'm doing ranching. Whoa, that's so great. All right, so you'll be able to give a lot of advice then at the end for people that maybe want to try to start doing this because it's something that you are like actively working towards doing yourself on the side of something else. Correct, and it's not something that you start producing beef the very first day. It's, it's quite a long process. Okay, so let's get to that part. So to, the, to, to, to one of the whys, because there's still another kind of unanswered why about moving the cows around and everything, but to that why, to the why on your side, um, what do we need these cows for? Uh, and do all ranchers use their cows for the same thing? Are they all being um, sold for beef or being used even by the rancher's family for beef? Um, or are some of the cows sold off for different purposes, depending on the rancher? It, it all depends on the rancher. And let me just make sure everybody understands that there's, you know, there's like a dairy side of cattle and there's a beef side of cattle. And although there might be some dairy beef, they're distinctly different. And I think you've had a, a veterinarian on before. Mm-hmm. He talked about large operations and stuff. So he was talking about milking cows. I don't milk any cows. Um, I'm just, I raise them to send them to harvest and collect the beef and then I sell it. That's what I do. What do you, okay. So you don't, you don't sell the whole cow to somebody else. You actually get the cow harvested yourself and then you sell off the beef afterwards. Yeah, that's my model. Now a lot, there's a lot of different models out there. There's what's called a cow calf operation where you have, cattle out there that are breeding and producing calves and when it comes to weaning time they take them off they sell those calves and then those cows go and have more babies next year and they do it again then you do it again do it again that's a cow calf operation question the cow Uh, that operation are they when they sell the calves are they selling them to people like you um sometimes but most of the time they're selling to feedlots um because that's you know we need beef there's a lot of beef that that uh, is consumed in the United States. There's hundreds of thousands of beef operations in the country, um, and and it it's never ending. They they want a lot of beef, so they take their beef. So they take these calves, they put them into a feedlot, they feed them what they call feed them out till a market weight, and that's determined by the feedlot what they want to market them, and sometimes that's about 1,200 pounds approximately. And then they would sell them to, you know, a, 
a beef processing center. Then they would take and process the, the beef, and then it go. You know, all the parts start going off into different directions. Okay, gotcha. Now, how about a, a smaller operation like yours? Obviously, is running much differently than that. And yeah, and you can make money in a lot of different ways. Like I could do the exact same thing with my few cows. Um, take the calves at weaning take them to the auction, sell them. I can take them to the beef processor directly and sell them to him. I mean, or I can raise them up until they are at market weight. Myself, I can raise them to market weight and sell them again, either at auction or to the beef processor or to somebody local that I just, you know, I put out on Craigslist and say, hey, I got four calves. Who wants them? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So there's lots of ways to skin the cat so to speak (laughs) a lot of ways to get rid of the cow um so now why are we moving like this this quintessential idea that people have in their heads of like moving the cows back and forth why are we moving them back and forth why don't they just like if you have let's say uh 10 cows on three acres of land how come you don't just let them roam all around your three acres of land and then you know when at once a week you honk your horn or whatever like why why are you having to actually move them from area to area um they're probably not doing that they probably are letting them roam wherever they want to go there are reasons to move cattle you might want to move for grazing um can't think of the right word right off the top of my head, but you know, if you're you're trying to keep your grass at a at a good level all the time, and if you move your calves from pasture to pasture, or cows, calves, everybody from pasture to pasture, you'll get them to eat everything instead of just the good stuff. So if you've got cattle on, say in my case, I got about fifty acres, so I have twelve ca- cows on fifty acres. If I just let them always go wherever they want, they're going to go and eat the good stuff. And they're going to leave the bad stuff. And that makes harder for me to keep the pasture in good shape. So what I want to do is So move they're actually the helping pasture. you upkeep your land as well. As well. That's true. Oh, wow. So, that, so that's one of the main reasons that people move their cows around is just to reduce the amount of upkeep that they have on their own land. And make the grass work better. So the grass is going to grow better if you don't overgraze or undergraze. Okay, cool. Gotcha. What do you need to get started with something like this? So you pretty recently got started and you're, you're starting part-time and everything. Um, you obviously need cows. You obviously need land. What else do you need? Like, do you have to have some sort of knowledge in like veterinary science or something um, to be able to give these cows medicine? Um, what sorts of things do you need besides just cows and land? Well, first of all, you, yes, you need land and yes, you need cows. You don't have to necessarily buy the land. You can always rent. That is a, that's a, or a lease. You, that's a possibility. And you don't necessarily have to buy all the cattle either. because you, you need the cows to produce calves, but you can either borrow a bull, rent a bull, use artificial insemination. There's different ways of making that happen. So... Um, as far as veterinary service, that artificial insemination kind of comes into that. You don't have to be a vet. It's uh, nice to, the more you know about things that go wrong and can go wrong with cattle. Uh, you might have to take your cows to a vet. Uh, 
I do on occasion, and usually the only reason that I take them is because I want to know if they're pregnant or not. Uh, but for the most part, my goal is to keep them healthy. So I pay a t- lot of attention and take a lot of my time is in, you know, giving them the right food, making sure they have the right nutrients, uh, making sure they're getting wormed regularly, making sure that they get their vaccinations. When new additions come into the herd, I keep them separate to make sure they aren't bringing something in from the auction barn, um, things like that. Hmm, interesting. What? So those are some of the, uh, I guess, uh, clinical things that can go wrong. Like what, well, I guess, tell us about the whole gamut of things that you need to watch out for with your cows that you're sort of like learning as you go through this process of having your own cows. Well, you're watching them to see if they get colds. You're watching them to see if they've hurt themselves or something's bit them or done something to them that you need to address. Um, we just had an, we just had a horse. I know that's not a cow, but we just had a horse stepped on a, a thorn that went up her hoof. And we had to, you know, we noticed that she was limping. Uh, we tried to see what was wrong. Couldn't, had to take her to the vet. So you're, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention to them. And if you're watching them every day, you're going to see when something happens. Yeah, for sure. You only see them once every few days or once a week or once a month even you're not going to see that you're not you might not catch somebody that's starting to go downhill and you could lose them and losing one cow is a lot of money so let's let's talk about that a little bit how much money are we talking uh in i guess at what how are you keeping track of even the cost of a cow because i'm sure most of it is like variable um do you have to add in extra food to supplement the grass that they're eating? Um, yes. Okay. So yeah, like I, I guess, how are you tracking how much money a cow is costing you? So I keep a database. There are several uh, software applications out there, but I have kind of a knack for software, so I created my own database. Um, and on my website, there's kind of like a back end and a front end, and the back end is where I keep track of how many times I gave them uh, a vaccination, how many times I moved them, how many times you know they've been exposed to a bull, all that stuff. So it's all in a big list for every every head hmm. cow. How how easy is it to turn a profit with a cow? Like, is it basically a guarantee you'll turn a profit? But just it depends how much profit, or is there a chance that? If a cow gets sick enough times or if enough bad things happen to it, that it's actually going to be a loss to you. It can get to being a loss um, and you got to notice it fast enough to either sell it or do whatever you have to um, to get out from under that because it can bring you down. And with such a small herd like me, one does make a difference. Um, there can be a lot of profit. There can be a little profit. And, but of course, you know, you're, you're buying land or you're releasing land. You're, well, in our case, we're living on the land. So we're right there. It kind of helps out. Um, we're making sure they have water that sometimes that costs money. Sometimes that doesn't, uh, right now it's August something and, and it's raining like crazy here still. Yeah. So we're not having to worry about bringing in some more hay. So that cuts down the cost this year. Yeah. Next great. year you might have a drought. And we're hauling water that costs money because we're buying it from the city and we're buying hay from the guy down the road because it didn't rain enough. 
for us to, to make our own hay. Right, right. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically just like any other sort of farming and just how much mother nature has to do with, with the profit you can make. Right. And it, it all, it all, it's the inputs and the outputs. So how much the inputs are and depending on how much you can sell it for, you know, there's your profit. They could be from, you know, $50 profit on a head to several hundred dollars profit on a head. And, um, you know, there's different ways that, you know, if you, if you work it right, you can make more money at, at the sale. So if, say if you have a pregnant, you knew you wanted to get rid of a cow, you know, if you give her, get her pregnant, she's going to keep bringing you more money. So if you have a bull, it doesn't cost you any money to get her pregnant. So get her pregnant, take her to the sale. She sold as a pair. Interesting. So uh, I'm really surprised to hear how, I guess, low that dollar amount is. How long do you hang on to these cows before you sell them? If you're, um, if you're only getting, you know, a hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks for the like profit, how much time have you sunk into a cow to be getting that sort of profit? Well, the cow, if you take a cow from, as a calf, so you get one, he's, she's five months old. It's going to be a year before she can even get pregnant. And that's even a little bit early. That's going to be nine more months before she has a calf. That calf has to grow up to be about two years old. So how much money did you put in in grass or grain or, or whatever to sell it? If you, if you just waited for you know, the cow just to calve the calf, five months later, six months later, you wean it, you can sell it right there. So, I mean, it all depends on where you're trying to sell right in the process and and the niche that we're that I'm trying to get into and I'm working to get into is I'm taking it all the way to market size having it harvested I age it just the right amount because that's the right thing to do is to age it it doesn't get aged in the supermarket so we age it and we freeze it and we sell it and we're looking at maybe even getting up to close to $2,000, maybe a cow or a a steer. Yeah. Now, are you selling that? Like I've, my parents live in, um, in central California. Um, and there's a bunch of like farmland and stuff out there. And, and same thing when I was in San Francisco, so much farmland around Northern California. So there's a lot of relationships, um, between butchers and, and local, farms and then even when i would go see my parents in central california they would know about and we would drive by um just different ranches and farms that would basically just sell their their meat to the community or or you could get on their mailing list and they would let you like i'm on a couple of different farms mailing lists so that way when they harvest a cow or two or whatever you can get on like a you know you could purchase some of that meat is that what you're trying to do and that what you're doing is selling directly to people or are you trying yes, to sell I, to wholesalers? Nope. Bypassing everybody and straight, you know, from the, I, I coined a phrase that I can't from, from home, from farm to house, something I can't remember what it was, but that's what I'm doing. We're, we're raising it up and we're delivering it directly to the consumer. Yeah. Farm to table. That's great. I mean, it's so much better that like to have it that way, that, that way, if someone's paying X amount of money for beef, like, they know that it's going to the person that actually raised the beef and therefore they're going to be getting the absolute highest quality beef that they can get for their dollar, you know? And and to what you were saying earlier about that you see these cows every single day to make sure that they are um, 
being cared for and that there's nothing wrong with them and everything. Like those are the kinds of cows that people should be buying, you know? Like this is the type of meat that we should be eating is meat that Kevin is taking care of that had a super good life its entire life and not some stressed out cow on, you know, a feedlot. But I mean, you know, that's just my opinion. Oh, um, that's exactly my opinion. So let's talk about the relationship part. So as much as I am completely okay with the idea of having like good high quality grass-fed meat i don't know that i could ever um do it my myself like you were saying like you see these cows every day and especially at the point that you're at right now it's not like you have hundreds or thousands of cows where you you know they all kind of start to blur together um only having a handful of cows like i imagine you you probably recognize every single one of them right correct is, yeah, and most most of them have names that hang around. Oh man, was harvesting your first few cows really sad? No. Why, um, why is mostly that? because when I was in high school, is when I got into agriculture, I started there, and I kind of got a crash course because I worked with a butcher, and we harvested cows and pigs and and sheep, and so I got the taste, you know right away of what it was all about and what's funny is yeah there's death involved in this process but there's life as well and you've got to care you've got to care about them i care about every one of my cows i care about the ones that i'm sending off to the harvest you know to the the processor um it it may sound a little funny that i can do that and then you know a little while later you know part of that guy's on my plate you know, that's that may sound a little weird, but it, it's not hard to do. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the way that you look at it is kind of the circle of life and like part of the process, you know? Um, I mean, it's like getting angry when it starts raining outside. It's like, it's just what happens. You know, there's no use in getting angry over it. It's what happens sometimes, you know? And it's like, that's kind of how you look at um, harvesting these cows is like, it's what happens. Like, it's not something to get worked up about. Well, as a whole, I think, you know, the population has gotten used to beef comes from the supermarket and, you know, it's already in nice little cuts and that's not true. (laughs) It doesn't really, it doesn't grow like that. Somebody doesn't grow like that, grow that in a pot. It comes off an animal. And, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time, I've spent a lot of uh, hours in classrooms and seminars and uh, actual practice. I, uh, I've taken classes where we've actually cut up an entire cow. Mm, that must uh, be awesome to see every part and where it comes from. Because uh, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of things are named. You know, d- different. One cut of steak actually could have three or four different names, and sometimes it depends on the way it's cut, and sometimes it just depends on who's selling it. Yeah, I learned this when I went to New Zealand. Uh, we. <laughs> We went to a butcher with, with some of my, so I have a couple of friends in New Zealand and uh, we went to a butcher and they were like, all right, like we really want to celebrate tonight. We want to get like the best steak. Like what's like the best steak we can get? And I was like, well, obviously a filet. They're like, what? And I was like, you know, like a filet mignon. He's like, what are you talking about? Like they didn't know what the <laughs> hell I was talking about because they're in New right. Zealand and you know, they're like the beef capital of the world in like New Zealand and Australia and stuff. And they call it a cap steak, which also makes sense, you know, because it's like the cap of the tenderloin. So, you know, but, uh, but yeah, they call it a cap steak. Like, so also, I mean, that 
totally differs. Just because we're calling something something doesn't mean that's what anyone else is calling it. Right. So how do you, you mentioned going to some uh, different classes, seminars, stuff like that. Did you have to do a bunch of that to even get started with this? Or is this one of those things where it helps out a lot to just kind of know people that already do it and you just kind of shadow them for a while? How, how do you get your feet wet? All that works. Um, in in my case, I started in high school, uh, Future Farmers of America. There was a farm at the school. Uh, my dad, for some reason, my dad thought this would be a great thing for me. And um, he really invested in in me with some cattle. And I did that all through high school. And then I went in the military and life happens. And, and then I... I think it was about 48, I decided, hey, what am I doing? I want to be a cattle rancher. So I quit the job I was on. I moved to Texas, and I got some land, and I started. And um, and I didn't have a job. I was going off my savings for a long time and uh, finally got a job, be able to start paying paying and buying stuff. And uh, that's how I got started. And But when I when I restarted, I started going to – the local agriculture community and either getting books, uh, buying CDs, going to seminars, talking to people. My neighbor became one of my best friends and he's helped me out so much. I've learned so much from him. Um, there's just, you, you need to do that. And there were a lot of people that were in my position as far as knowledge or less when I started and they were going to seminars and they were going to the same class as I was. Hmm. Hmm. So you can like anyone can do this is what you're trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody can start that. They just, you got to have a desire to do it. Yeah. And you can start with something else. You don't have to start with cattle. You could start with goats or something, something smaller. Right. And now the land, like obviously you need land and you said you could even rent land or, you know, purchase, um, does the land need to have anything special about it? Um, what, like if, if someone was looking for land or is it just a, a piece of land that grows grass on it? You pretty much need a piece of land that grows grass on it. And there's no set ratio of amount of acres per cow. But if you put too much on it, they'll eat all the grass. And you can keep them on there if you want, but then you're going to be buying hay. So uh, you got to find that balance, start out slow, see what happens on that land as, you know, as my three cows uh, eat all the grass on 10 acres or, hey, maybe I can add another one. You know, you just, you kind of have to take a chance or see what other people are doing. Typically then, are you trying to look for a piece of land that has a lot of other open pieces of land around it as well? Like, so that way, if you want to expand later, you can expand in the land right next to you and not have to like move your whole operation. I actually did that, and um, a friend of mine wanted to have some cattle on his land so he could get a tax break. <laughs> so that's great. I took some of my cows over there, and he he has them over there. I go and visit them a couple times a week, make sure everything's going good, give them some that uh, additional food so that they're getting all the nutrients they need to get. Make sure they've got water got grass uh kevin you say you know about programming and and computers and stuff you got to create a business out of that like make a website where people like 
just rich people that have really nice like farmland with like tons of acres and stuff. I guess if you're really rich, then you don't need the extra money anyways. But so people like your friend can just get paired up with people that have cows and they want to get started, but that don't want to commit to buying their own land. It's like a perfect win-win business. I love that. Like like beefharmony.com? <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect name. Oh, that's so good. Except for then you're like advertising to the government that you're trying to screw them over. But you know, <laughs> it's still a great idea. Um, all right. So how, like what would be different in your day if you were quote unquote full time? So let's say you scale this up to have a full time operation. What does a rancher do when they are working full time? Like take us, I guess, through a day. Like when does a day start? Um, when might a day end? And what are some of the different things someone might do? Pretty much sun up to sundown, you can be doing something. There's there's always something to do on the ranch. When you're not fertilizing the pasture, you might be mowing it, uh, prepping it for for getting it baled. Um, you could be putting fences. You could be fixing fences. You can be adding. Uh, right now, we're adding uh, stuff to our barn so that we have stalls in the barn. Um, working on a uh, handling area where. Um, I can easily handle the cattle right now. It's kind of a temporary fencing where I bring them in and I, I bring them in for vaccination and stuff like that. So I need, I need to make that a permanent one. In our case, we're also trying to build a new home. We're living in one of those kind of tiny houses right now. And, and at the same time, we're, we're building a bigger house that we're going to eventually live in. And so as another niche, just to kind of put this out there is that, once we move into the new place, then the place we're currently living in is going to be rented out as a bed and breakfast at a working cattle ranch. That's so great. I love it. And you'd be invited. I'd let you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Then we can brainstorm the rest of our uh, beef harmony idea. That would be <laughs> That's uh, going to catch on. Now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, how many... Is it a certain amount of cows or a certain amount of land, do you think, that would make this more of a full-time job? Like, which thing is it that takes more time, more cows or more land? Obviously, they go somewhat hand-in-hand. But Well, to be honest, the actual working of the cattle only happens at certain times of the year. So when they're calving, you've got to be more working directly with them. When you're vaccinating, when you're weaning them from their moms... Um, so those are the times when you're actually working with cattle. The rest of the time, you're working on infrastructure, you're changing the oil in the tractor, you're digging post holes for the new fence. Just It just keeps on going. And what's funny, and it's probably just the same as everybody else, is that you get up in the morning and you start to do something, and then something happens. Yep. And, and you never get that thing you started done. You've spent all day because you've got a hurt cow and you've brought her in and you think you're going to have to get rid of her, but you baby her and you keep, and and that's actually happened. We had a a cow that we think stepped in a hole and just twisted a leg and she was limping insanely bad. And we thought we might have to get rid of her, but instead we brought her in, kept her in a confined area. We talked to some people, some experienced ranchers said, what do you think? And they said, well, if she's still walking, you can take her to the auction barn. But if she's, if she's not permanently hurt, you know, you could save her and, and keep her as a cow. And we, we saved her. Wow, that's great. She's one of our better cows. Yeah. 
Love it. Love that. Um, how many how many cows would you need to make it a full-time job? I know you said that the profit is going to be variable, but if you just had to guess, I'm sure this is something that you probably think about. Um, how many, well, I'm how trying many cows to, make it full-time? What I'm hoping to do is produce 12 a year. So it means have a calf. So that if I need at least at least 12 cows, probably more. And, you know, then you still have the bull or bulls. I have two bulls at the moment. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm hoping that I can do this with about 25 head on the, on the ranch at all times in some phase, either growing, feeding them out, or they're having babies. Because the cycle is about two years to what you said. So if you have double yeah. double so the 12 have, so if you have about 25 then you would be getting you'd be selling off like a cow a month type thing that's that's my goal and i hope that it works for me uh and i think it will and you know some of that you know i was talking about cow versus uh acreage ratio you know i you can put on as many cows as you want on a piece of land as long as you as long as they have food right so some of that some of those cows some of that 25 is going to be sitting in pens, you know, eating nice grain that nobody else is getting and getting hay fed to them. They don't have to go anywhere. And that, uh, so that reduces the amount of acreage I actually have to have to maintain that. So I think probably 20, 18 to 20 is probably what I can do on 50 acres uh, here in Texas. Uh, but I, you can keep more as long as you have food for them. So. So Kevin, doing this part-time right now on the side of your other job, I, I mean, it sounds pretty time-consuming. Like, are you, is your other job a full-time job and you're just trying to squeeze this in on mornings, evenings, and weekends? Or is your other job part-time as well so you're able to devote a little bit more time to this? It's a full-time job. I'm trying to squeeze this in, you know, during the times that I'm not working the full-time job. And fortunately, sometimes it sends me overseas, which I'm going tomorrow again overseas. So it's... Uh, that really bites into that. Um, but the extra money sometimes kind of helps out at the ranch. I have a lovely wife that uh, helps me when I'm not there and helps me when I am there. So That's great. it's not just me that, yeah. uh, that does it. Yeah. Do you feel like you look at this I- idea and like when you're, when you're working on the ranch and your future as a rancher, do you look at it as a, job or do you look at it as more just like life like is it is it different in that way than your other job is it like yeah like this is just my life walking around this ranch it's not really a job well i i hope my boss doesn't hear this but you know i i don't want to go to work i want to stay at the ranch when i walk out the door to go to work i step out on the porch and i can look out on the property i can see the animals and i just i hate leaving um I, I, and that happens a lot. I mean, it happens when I'm mowing the pasture. It happens when I'm, uh, you know, pulling a calf out of a cow, trying to, you know, make sure it's going to live. I just like, I don't want to go do that other job. I want to stay here and ranch. Yeah. And I've, chose, I've chosen this method so that when I can't do that work full time, that I'm set up to ranch. It take, Like I said, it takes a long time. I've gone from two calves in 2012 to now 2017 with uh 12 you know and that's about halfway where i think i need to be man that's great that's really great um 
do you ever have bad days doing this? Is there really like such thing as a bad day doing this? Oh, sure. You know, especially when somebody gets hurt, um, something goes wrong, something breaks. Um, there's a cow out in the front yard like there was the other night when I left a gate open. Um, it's mostly the things that bother me is when the animals are hurt. Yeah, I bet. The rest of it, it kind of comes in stride. You know, I'm not 20 anymore. I don't let things bother me. I just go, okay, here's my my uh, issue for today, and I'm going to solve it. Yeah. How big could the operation get and still be good, do you think? Like, how, the, the way that you care for these cows and and knowing that it's, like, really high-quality meat and, and that all the cows are really well cared for and everything, how big do you think an operation can get and still be providing, like, that level of of beef and care and everything? I don't think I'd want to get bigger than 50 head. If I had the land capability to be able to watch that, if I had, if I was full-time doing that, I might change my mind. But now, you know, I don't, I think that's, you know, 30 is too many right now. And I don't think I'd want to be over 50. Right. Um, what, uh, what is the, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but what is the pay like for, uh, like, I'm sure you know other full-time cattle ranchers with various sizes of rancher, ranches and stuff. Uh, what, what can the pay look like if we're to look at this as like an annual figure? So, if, well, let me put it at a different level. So I'm going to put it at a granular level instead of a lot higher. So if you take away all the input costs and you're doing a cow-calf operation, which we talked about, is your cow has a calf, five, six months later, you wean it and sell it. Those calves at about 500, 600 pounds are probably going to go for anywhere between 650 to 850. So you can get 650 to 850 per cow, and depending on your input, that's what you're going to make. Okay. And some, some ranches work where they try to make that all happen in one swoop, like all in one month, is when all the calves are going to come in. And they're going to wean them off and take them to the seller. Or in some cases, the, the ranches are so large that the buyers come to them. Uh, in my case, that'll never happen. So I'm taking them to the auction. I have several options here. We're out in the country. I have the option within an hour. I have at least three, maybe four options of selling it without you know, having to negotiate or anything like that. Just walk in, buy this cow, give me the market price. And away I go. So even taking away the, let's say you take away the money that you're spending to uh, like feed the the mother cows and stuff like that. And then having to, I guess, let some of the other ones grow to become mother cows themselves and all that. Let's say you're making like 500 bucks for one of those. So if you did like a hundred of them a year, you would make 50 grand. Yeah. Okay. It's not a big money maker. All right, let's uh let's go ahead and finish this thing up, Kevin. If this sounds like a really appealing thing to anybody who uh maybe someone like me that lives in a city and they're like, "You know what? I am really tired of the city life and I just want to be surrounded by nature and animals and stuff." Uh what advice would you give to someone like that and if they wanted to start a little sort of farm ranch operation of their own? I'd say get a book. There are quite a few really nice books for like the home farm or the home ranch. And I do know quite a few people that 
raise one cow, one steer a year. There are some categories there. I mean, we've been talking about cow and cattle and stuff, but I, I, I have to say it right now is, is you know, a, a heifer is a cow that hasn't had a baby yet. So everything's a bovine, everything's cattle, but you got females that are heifers and cows. And then you, on the male side, you've got bulls. And when they're castrated, they're steers. Okay. So I know a lot of people that keep, go, they'll go out and buy a steer, keep it for a year, raising it and stuff. And then they have it harvested. That's their beef for the year. A lot of people do that. Um, so that's something you could think of too, if that's what you wanted to just, you wanted to cut down on the $12 a pound, whatever you're buying at the supermarket, and you could end up getting something that might cost you $3 a pound. Right, right. Um, so get it, get a book was one, start going to find out where your agriculture center is in Texas. It's run mostly by Texas A&M, not trying to plug them, but uh, they have a great system here. And there's uh, ag centers in every county, and they give up seminars on everything from ranching the best, you know, making the best uh, quality hay to the pesticides, which is something else you probably need to learn when you're doing this, uh, is learning how to deal with pesticides and herbicides and the proper use of that. Uh, mm, definitely. So those are the two main things I would do. I mean, of course, it would be great if everybody could go to college and get a degree in agriculture, but I don't have one and I'm, you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's right. Hell yeah. As a matter of fact, my, my, uh, education is in education. I have a master's in education. Well, you just educated all of us. So that's so perfect. <laughs> um, Kevin, is there anything that you would like to plug before we go? And by that, I mean, do you sell, do you ship your beef or will you only really like at this point, are you kind of full with like selling it to people nearby you? I'm, I'm ready to start selling and shipping, although I don't have a lot of supply at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on a website should be up really soon. Uh, maybe by the time this airs, I don't know. Um, happenstanceranch.com. That's my plug right there. Cool. Well, I'll put a link to it on the half hour intern page. So if anybody is looking for some super high quality beef that they know that Kevin took some really great care of, you can check out his website and uh, potentially if it's not totally sold out, you can get yourself some of this limited quantity, badass, awesome Kevin Cole beef. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Kevin, this has been great, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Blake. It's been great being here. I've been a supporter for a long time. Yeah, you have. As a matter of fact, I believe I was one of your founding supporters on Patreon. You were. You were. God, it was like so... I've, I was very happy to have you and still am. You're <laughs> still doing it. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. 
And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.